gentlemen, gentlemen, and ladies, it is like early February at this point. How long has it been since I recorded a pod? You know what? It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Week 17 of the NFL regular season, to be exact. Damn, that feels like for fucking ever ago. I thought I was going to have this postseason pod out much earlier, but uh, I guess life's just been happening pretty quick fucking lately. Honestly, I might have just needed a break. I just realized like I somehow managed to put a pod together once a week for like four fucking months. And then I took a break and realized all this free time I had. It was kind of like, oh shit, what do I do with this? So I started spending time at the nonprofit that I started. I started going through used underwear and donating to homeless people. I took a cooking class. I learned how to cook. It was fantastic. But even after all that shit, my wheels never stopped fucking turning about this gangster ass league that we all compete in. I mean, we're pretty hardcore if you think about it. If I didn't have so much shit going on, I'd probably get a producer and I'd really try to take this shit to the next level. But fuck, man. I just, it just fucking takes up time that I could be robbing banks and just finding other sources of income. So unfortunately, I have to like spread these out in the off season. You know what I'm saying? But that being said, it's the fucking off season now. So we got to talk about the fucking off season. Shit, we didn't even talk about the end of the season. How about that championship week? What the fuck happened there? We all know Jamie's the champ, right? Spoiler alert. But I mean, what the fuck happened there? And we got to talk about potential rule changes coming to the league for next season. And we got to talk about the draft house, San Diego style. Wait, what happened to the money? Then I'm going to end the pod with a headline for each squad going into the offseason. Like, what's the deal? So a lot to talk about. A lot, lot of good fucking cool ass shit to talk about. So let's start with this. Gentlemen, I don't know how else to say this. This season is wrapped and we have a fucking champion. James Lopez has won this illustrious league trophy for the 2022 season. Wow. How does that make us all feel? You know what I mean? But Jamie, honestly, he fucking did it. He fucking did it. And this win for the 2022 season puts him in elite company. Now Jamie and Joe DeBeau are the only GMs to ever win this league more than one time. Two fucking times they both did it. And earlier this year when Jamie still had Brees Hall in his active roster, I asked him about the possibility that he could be accepting the trophy back from Joe DeBeau one year after painfully handing it over to him. And this is what he said. This year's draft in San Diego, you had to give up the trophy to DeBeau since he was the new uh, champion. And bro, you didn't look happy as you were doing that, by the way. Like, well, it looked I painful for you. At all. Well, yeah, but, painful to watch, painful fucking pancakes in my stomach. Dude, there was a lot of pain going on in that video. And, but... <laughs> I mean, as you're sitting there now tied for first place, team's looking good. How fitting would that be for him to be handing that back to you in San Diego next year? Well, I mean, that would be fucking amazing. I would say that would be fucking amazing. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, my I look good right now, but let's see what happens. You know, like you said on your on your little pod before, Ryan's come back from an 05 start. You know, people, I mean, DeBoe started, what, one in four or some shit last year? Yeah, okay. yeah. And, you know, like, it takes, it takes like, three bad weeks and three good weeks from a team to all of a sudden you're just sitting right right next to where everybody else is. So right now I'm just kind of playing it one week by a time, seeing if I can squeak out a win here and there. And then, shit, I don't even know if I want that second seed. They keep getting knocked out. When one seed keeps getting knocked out in the fucking first round, I'm like, oh, damn it. Fuck, you know, so, so 
just what we get time hoping my dudes stay healthy right now. They stay healthy. I feel like I can, you know, I can have a shot. All right. So now fast forward from that day to on to championship week and Jamie, he kept the success going. Even with the injuries, he gets the number one seed, becomes the first number one seed to win after a bye week. That shit has never happened. So now he finds himself in the championship game against Taylor, who had the five seed and Taylor had an unbelievable run to get to the title game himself. First, he took out Shane in round one, kind of the heavyweight favorite to win the whole fucking thing. And then in round two, he defeats Justin, one of the hottest teams of the late season. Now, did Justin owe a lot of his success to the early season trade with Taylor? You know, the one for Josh Jacobs? Um, probably, probably. But yet somehow Taylor avenged that mistake by winning the, in the playoffs, beating Justin in a big time money game. And there we had it. That was our two teams playing for the championship. But when it came right down to it, these two guys, Jamie and Taylor, it was not much of a championship game. It was a blowout, like a baby with a shit in its diaper for like 10 hours, flattened like a poop pancake, 176 to 97. Jamie sealed the fucking deal with a dominant performance from just like a handful of guys. Uh, But for Taylor, I think the magic just ran out. I'm going to come. I'm going to jizz. I'm going to jack off essentially ease myself, ease up in this cup. Then in that last other game, we had the third place game. This was a game for $600. The loser still got $350, so it's not too shabby, but Debo's drip versus victory formation. Couple of hot teams down the stretch. Both these guys were very capable of winning the damn league. So they're surely both pissed to be in the third place game. The problem here for Debo's drip was that Justin Curran has an insane record in third place games. It was 4-0 going into this matchup, and it's 5-0 now. Pretty fucking crazy. Justin got 56 points from Mike Evans in this game. Remember how far back that shit was? Somehow, he only get two points from Justin Jefferson, but the final score was 204-174. to Victory formation just went off. We did have to wait a week because this was the DeMar Hamlin week. So Debo's drip had one other chance to get T. Higgins points, uh, 50. And that just didn't fucking happen. So that's how the season ended. Um, Let's recap the highlights of the late season championship week. Jamie was our fucking champion. Taylor got second place. Justin gets third place. Fourth place goes to Greg and Justin. The losers bracket champion, Ryan fucking Blockcamp. But the squad responsible for the last place punishment, I love this one, it's the cousin fuckers. It is crazy to me that Billy only won two games all season, and they were both against the cousin fuckers. There might be a little rivalry situation brewing over there. Actually, there might be actually a few rivalries brewing going into the offseason. Alright, let's take a moment for station identification Get some of our investors to play their ads real quick, and I'll be right back. When you're gambling or competing for a championship, do your balls ever sweat? Does the ball sweat make it harder for you to win? I would like to welcome the newest release coming your way from dryballer.com, the Nuthugger 2000. (laughs) The Nuthugger 2000 uses a leather strap over the shaft of your penis connecting to yarn that keeps your balls dry and has your favorite team's logo sewn into it. It couldn't be better. (laughs) Hey, 
Chad, I bet your balls were real sweaty this weekend. <laughs> no way, dude. I got the Nuthugger 2000 with my favorite Falcons team logo on it, and my balls were so fucking dry, man. <laughs> In fact, I even won the championship. That's right. Keep your balls dry. Win that championship. <laughs> Nuthugger 2000. Brought to you by dryballer.com. Okay, honestly, I just had to go do a set of one-handed push-ups before going to the next segment here. I mean, that's what champions start doing in the off-season. You just start training right fucking now. Right now. Speaking of off-season, off-seasons are now just like way more interesting and dynamic than they've ever fucking been. And we can start strategizing, speculating on keepers, pre-draft trades, all of that can start happening right now. This off-season GM shit, it just keeps going. Another thing that keeps shit going is actual sports gambling. Unless you spent the last month under a rock, which some of you might have, you witnessed the groundbreaking dynamic financial diversification program that we all invested in as a league. In other words, we took 600 of that league money. By the way, many of you still haven't paid me yet. That came from waiver money. And we gambled on the NFL playoffs. There were parlays flying around. Some of these parlays could have won us thousands and thousands of dollars. And we did win a few hundred dollars, but we ultimately lost all of it, um, all 600, which does suck. It, it was a wild ride, though. I, I was picturing us getting a super fancy house with strippers, nose beers, and now we're, we're back to square one in that regard. Um, in retrospect, maybe this wasn't the smartest thing to do with league money. If we are going to do it, though, in the future... Maybe there's a more cohesive, group-friendly way to gamble this money. I don't know. For example, maybe like I split it up equally. We got 12 people. That's $50 each to gamble how you want. And all the winnings would just still go towards the draft house. Um, I do apologize to anyone who didn't like how this played out. You do have to admit it was very on-brand for what this league is. And every bet was laid down with the greatest intentions for all of us. But, but... So now, with this money gone, what does this mean for the draft? Well, it means that when I start aggressively hunting for draft houses pretty soon here, we just got to split it up like we always do. Some of you really don't want to pay much at all, and you're just down to sleep on the floor, and some of you are like, fuck it, I'll pay more because my ass is sleeping on a bed. So we're just going to figure it out like we always do. It's going to be off the fucking hook as usual. Grab a pen and paper though right now. Write this date down or enter it in your Google Calendar on your phone because this is it. This is the draft date. Saturday, August 26th. Saturday, August 26th. There has been some requests to, for some flexibility with this. It just It's really the same weekend every time and it's just easier to do it that way. If we go a week later to Labor Day, we're going to lose half the league because people make plans with their family and shit. That's, that's the toughest one for everybody. Anyways, write the date down, Saturday, August 26th. I'll at least be there Friday to Sunday, maybe even Thursday night. But when it comes to wives, don't wait till the last minute to get your wife's approval. That's probably not going to work. You know how wives be. One proven method of success is to get them to go on a girl's trip and then tell them about the draft. Then they're going to owe you at that point. But anyways, you're just not going to want to miss... The GM trash talk negotiations, general debauchery that usually goes down in the ceremony this year. Debeau giving that trophy back to Jamie. Gonna want to see that shit in person. Not to mention, if you're gonna win this league, 
you're probably going to need to be at the draft. That's just, it's just a scientific fact at this point. All right, don't go anywhere. I'll be back in 20 seconds. I'm back. I'm going to talk about potential rule changes real quick. After thinking about it, I don't think I have time to coordinate some kind of like league Zoom where we all hash this shit out. So I'm just going to call each of you individually. I was thinking about that. That just makes more sense. We'll just do a recorded call and I'm going to ask the same questions for everybody on the rules. You know, I'm not going to use the majority of these uh, sound bites for the podcast. I just want you guys to talk about rules as if everybody's going to hear what you have to say. And I'll only use significant shit if if you say some shit that's significant, but you know, just going to be questions like $500 buy-in, payouts, what what should those be? Um so I'll give a little prep before I do it, but just be ready with an opinion when I we set up a call, whatever. I'm going to try to do these hopefully in the next month or so, you know. We're not in a huge rush right now, but also, it's an open forum if you got some ideas, suggestions. Another rule change I think is important that we make this year because I've heard from a lot of GMs about rules kind of always changing. So if we do make a rule change, it's going to stay that way for two years before it's eligible to be changed again. So an example of a rule that we changed last year, it's the rule about playoff reseeding from week to week to match the NFL. We tried it this year for the first time. So let's say that we're going to have to do this rule again next year before it can even be discussed about potentially going back. So just one thought, you know, I went back to how the playoffs played out and had we done it in last year's format, let's see how that would have changed this year's outcome or would it have changed this year's outcome? Check it out. Debo's drip won the game against Adam, the 6-3 game. And because of that, Debo's drip was forced to play Jamie, who was the one seed. If we had done what we did in prior years, they would have just taken the path of the three seed and played Justin, the two seed, who won. So how would that have played out? Well, looking at the scores and what they both scored in the second round, Debo's drip would have defeated Justin in the second round and moved on to the championship game. And then on the other side of that bracket... We could have had one of the most insane playoff games of all time. That would have forced Jamie to play Taylor in the second round instead of the championship game. But the final score of that game, if you take what their scores were, Jamie had 178.8 and Taylor had 178.5. That would have been a fucking wild game. But Jamie still would have moved on and ended up playing Debo's drip in the championship. And then based on how they scored in that game, Jamie also would have won 176 to 174. Would have been very close, closer than what it turned out to be with Taylor. And then in the third seed game, uh, Justin still would have won that game no matter what. So I don't know, just like look going back, looking at stuff to see if this is something we should explore or, you know, keep the reseeding. But we're, we are technically keeping the reseeding next year anyway because it's not eligible to be changed. All right. So yeah, be on the lookout for me to hit you up pretty soon here. And we're going to talk about this shit. Fuck yeah.
So, next up, the headlines are coming for each squad going into the offseason. We're going to talk about the draft order, which has already been discovered and in place. And towards the end, we're going to talk about who won this league's first ever GM of the year. If you turn this shit off right now, you just might not even know. I might actually have audio of my neighbor's dogs eating macaroni and cheese. The point is, you don't know. You don't know what's coming. Here we go. Alright, first up, Billy Walgum, aka Fuck My Life. Maybe be a different team name next year. We'll see. But looking back at 2022, Billy's strategy for last season went exactly as he planned. Make some moves, acquire some players that are worth keeping. For example, Jamar Chase as a fifth-round keeper. George Pickens as an eighth-round keeper. He's got TJ Hawkinson. J.K. Dobbins is a fourth. Jeff Wilson could be pretty late. So he gets to pick two of those guys, and then he has the number two overall pick. This rebuild could actually be a quick one, because when you're at the bottom, you got nothing to lose. Not being afraid to make those moves is what he did, and he showed that he's got a potential to be a dangerous GM in this league. But we'll see after he gets his own full roster under his belt. You know what? Where the fuck does that saying come from, under your belt? That's that's your balls. Your balls are under your belt. Yeah, I'm going to get this first season under my belt, in my balls. Anyways, next up. The Cousins fuckers. So looking at their roster, I think they are desperately going to need to make some type of move in the offseason again. Um... They have the number one overall pick going into next year. And they're about to eat some fucking pancakes to prove that they earned that number one pick. But I got a sneaky feeling that with first dibs on best available players, they might still actually keep Christian McCaffrey. So that means number one overall pick, and you're still sticking to the guy you've had for like four years. He is a first round keeper, and they have refused to part ways. So... I don't know. Could they try to trade him as a keeper to somebody else? Will they keep Cooper Cup as their third round keeper? These are all thoughts to consider. They do have Christian Kirk on their roster as a 10th round keeper. That could be interesting. Not a whole lot jumping off the paper for them. So they are really going to have to kill the draft in my opinion. Or make some offseason moves. Otherwise, I'm, I don't see them being in a position to contend next year. I'm sorry guys. I'm fucking sorry. <laughs> Mazel tov cocktails. This shit is painful for me to say, but my squad was a lot like the Buffalo Bills, a roster that should have been loaded with talent that never came together when I needed it to. I was wheeling and dealing at the trade deadline more than anybody else. I acquired a fourth round draft pick and a sixth round draft pick. I got Ramondre Stevenson as a sixth rounder. Josh Allen will be my fifth rounder. Those are my most likely keepers right there, Stevenson and Allen. But we'll see. I could change my mind. Brian Robinson is kind of interesting as a ninth rounder. Um, it looks like I will have the fourth overall pick in the draft for the first round. But you guys know I'll be open for business all off season. Let's fucking make deals. Hit me up. Hit me up right now. Danimals. Joe DeBow. So he's getting the third overall pick in the draft. Do we think with that third pick he'll be keeping Jonathan Taylor and not making the pick? I don't know. I'd be hard for me to see Joe just sitting on that pick and not trying to look at making some moves. I'm sure somebody will want JT. But also, what's he going to do with Amonra St. Brown, third rounder? Or Chris Olav, seventh rounder? Damian Pierce is a fourth rounder. Uh, maybe he'll go with none of these guys. Joe makes moves as a GM probably about as much as anyone in this league. I think the only guarantee 
that we will see from him is that he will lock himself in a scientific lab until he has the right hypothesis and conclusions going into next season. Maybe Deshaun Watson is a 15th rounder. Literally anything could happen with Joe's squad. Team R Camp, Ryan. After making moves to get new keepers a year ago, Ryan ended a mediocre season by winning the loser's bracket, and he's got quite a few options to build on from here. Stephon Diggs, fourth-round keeper. James Conner, eighth-round keeper. Cordero Patterson is a seventh-round keeper. Not too shabby, but would he take Aaron Jones as his first? He's getting the fifth overall pick here. Diggs and Connor are both steals at the value that he has them, um, but we'll see what he does. He's in a good position to contend in 2023. Adam, a kid named Kelsey the Mixtape. So, He patched together a squad good enough to get the number three seed in the regular season. Would he keep Travis Kelsey and Joe Mixon again, just run it back with those two guys and then not get a pick till the third round? I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Both those guys are number ones. Well, Adam gets the sixth overall pick in this draft. I think the dilemma he's going to have is if he wants to free up a first round pick, he can't keep Kelsey or Mixon. Um, How are you not going to keep either of those guys? Maybe a trade though? I mean, but if he was going to go with another option, some some other guys on his roster to keep an eye on. Jamal Williams, 14th round keeper. That's pretty good fucking value for a guy who had more touchdowns than anyone in Lions history last year, including Barry Sanders. Chris Godwin, 5th round keeper. Rashad White will be a market value keeper, but that could end up being a 6th or 7th. Could be good value. Um, it, He's got Tyler Algier, that rookie for the Falcons. Probably same thing. Could be 6th or 7th round value. Um, he's got some young options. He's got some veteran options. Maybe kid named Kelsey the mixtape will just keep mixing it up. You see what I did there? Hova, Chris Hill, 160 swiftly. So Hova snagged the last playoff spot and just barely lost to Justin in that fucking playoff game. Hova's got a lot of good players to choose from going into next season. Tyreek Hill is a first-round keeper. Najee Harris, first-round keeper. Could just go with those two guys right off the bat. Not bad building blocks, but, I mean, he also has DeAndre Swift as a second-rounder, DK Metcalf as a fifth, Miles Sanders as a fifth, A.J. Dillon as a fourth, Christian Watson will be at free agent market value. I mean, that could end up being like seven or eight. We'll see, but he does have the seventh overall pick. Chris does. Um... So maybe that's late enough where he would consider keeping one of those first rounders, you know? I mean, Tyreek Hill, if he drops him, he could easily go in the top seven. So I think it's quite possible that he goes with Tyreek Hill as a one, Miles Sanders as a five. And also don't forget, he acquired an extra fourth round pick from me. He could easily trade one of these guys for more draft capital. He does have some really good pieces going into 2023. If I was Hova, I would already have a boner for this. Shane, my dick, your butt. So, I mean, he had a dominant roster last year. But this year, those elite running backs, are they going to get too expensive to be worth it? So Dalvin Cook moves to a costly first-round value. And Derrick Henry will be a second-round value. Now, Shane does have the eighth overall pick. So to get Dalvin Cook at number eight, not too shabby. But what other options does Shane have here? Devontae Adams is a possibility, but he will be a first-rounder. Lamar Jackson would be a fifth-rounder. He has Amari Cooper as a sixth-rounder. Brandon Ayuk as a ninth-rounder. 
He did trade a fourth round pick away to get George Kittle. He maybe will want to move some of these pieces, make a pre-draft trade to free some shit up. We'll see what the fuck Shane wants to do here. He does have some very good pieces. I think the question is, what kind of GM strategy will Shane go for here? The more established veteran approach with Dalvin and King Henry um, or the money ball approach, free up some money, keep a late guy like Ayuk or Amari Cooper. It's hard to predict. It's hard to predict. Taylor, Fournette Bronca. Honestly, his squad looked decimated late in the season, but he scrapped some shit together for an epic, historic late season run. So what did their pieces look like for him going to the offseason? Well, Saquon Barkley, first rounder. Leonard Fournette, seventh rounder. Jalen Waddle, third rounder. Tyler Lockett, 10th rounder. And Jalen Hurts, fifth rounder. So by finishing second, he's getting the 11th pick. Not a bad place to keep Saquon at number one. I think it's highly likely that we're going to see Taylor keep Saquon Barkley and Jalen Hurts. In fact, I am more confident predicting these as his keepers than I am about any other GM about what they're doing at this stage of the offseason. James Lopez, defending champ, Team Himes. He's kept CeeDee Lamb a few years in a row, but CeeDee's going to be a fourth rounder this year, and quite frankly, he may not be the most sexy keeper for him anymore. He's acquired some other guys, like Nick Chubb was a stud and a solid keeper for having the last pick in the first round, if that's what Jamie chooses to do. So he could keep Nick Chubb as a one. Patrick Mahomes is a very solid piece, and he's valued as a third rounder. What else does Jamie have? He's got... Devonta Smith as a ninth rounder, Tony Pollard as a fourth rounder, Brees Hall, second rounder, Michael Pittman, sixth rounder. He also snuck Calvin Ridley and Jarek McKinnon off the free agent market. We'll see what they could be. They could be kind of mid sixth roundish. We'll fucking see. My best guess though is I think Jamie's going to keep Mahomes and Nick Chubb one and three, or maybe he'll just try to get some trade value from some of these other guys. Um, now that I understand how Jamie gambles a little bit more, I bet that he keeps his cards close to his chest and goes with his gut. And we're not going to know what that fucking is until the very last minute. Okay. So the GM of the year award was created to just acknowledge that sometimes you might make a lot of good business moves and they just don't play out in your way. But as competitors, other GMs in the league see you like, okay, I see you. I see what you're trying to do over there. It could be solid trades, pickups, just overall, you're like, damn, okay, this guy's a fucking competitor. Um, so who was, who did that the best this year? And I won't beat around the bush fucking our league champion, James Lopez, he won the league. So shout out to him, Team Himes. Um, winning it again, proof that league champions are at the draft every year. I'll keep saying that. Consider that before you decide to skip it this year. Also, before the season, I asked you guys for a 30 for 30 ideas. Um, Jamie's pretty much the only one that hit me up on that. He thought that he had a story that was worthy. His story. I did tell him that I would think about it because I wasn't totally sure that I could see the 30 for 30 on his squad just yet. But now that the season is over, I'm looking back at it a little bit differently. Does anyone else notice how superstitious Jamie is? Throughout like the entire season, he always tried to avoid any type of jinxes. He did actually fuck shit up with the jinx on Brees Hall injury. Play the clip. 
Like, do I have any hope of winning this game? Is this just a guarantee? Of course you have hope, man. You know what's going to end up happening. Fucking somebody's going to get a concussion or Brees Hall's going to fucking stub his toe or something. You know what I'm saying? Something's going to happen, man. But there was playoff games during his run, and he's got a matchup one, and he's pretty much locked to win, projected by like 70, and he's texting us with the throw-up emoji like he's nervous he's about to lose. What's up with that? So before I released the 30 for 30 about Adam and Shane, you knew it was going to be called the fall of the large penis club. There's still going to be a part two on that. But I'm telling you right now, I think Jamie's going to get it for 30 for 30 and it's going to be called the gambler. Now, I don't want to give away too much on what this is going to be about, but I will say this. I think Jamie breaks shit down and sees a lot more than he wants us to know that he sees. This is classic behavior of a street hustler. So on that note, not only did Jamie win the fucking league, he also won the first ever GM of the year trophy. This shouldn't automatically go to the champ every year. It's just how Jamie played the cards he was dealt all season. We already talked about the Brees Hall thing, but it's also how he drafted. Having the number one overall pick is something that people classically fuck up. Jamie nailed it with Nick Chubb. Guy was a stud all season. Then he takes Patrick Mahomes and Brees Hall at the 2-3 on the snake. Then the waiver free agent pickups throughout the season. I mean, he stumbled on Jarek McKinnon, which which was probably a league-winning pickup. Then looking back at the draft, he also nailed Devonta Smith as a ninth rounder. He even nailed his late, late picks, even though he ultimately had to drop them at some point for bye weeks and whatnot. But he had picked Garrett Wilson as a 10th rounder, Rashad White as a 13th rounder. We didn't realize it at the time, but you can look back now, and I don't think it's really even close. Jamie outplayed us all season. Honorable mention to a lot of other GMs that put together strong squads, fought through adversity, but in multiple facets of being a GM, Jamie hustled us like this year, like straight up. The first time Jamie won a league trophy a couple years ago, it was like, okay, every squirrel's got to get a nut. You know what I'm saying? Once in a while. But the fact that he got chip number two, it just got kind of real. So we'll see what Jamie makes in the offseason. He's got solid pieces to run shit back. But next season, he just raised the bar. And anyone watching him close enough is going to be ready for his street hustling ways in 2023. The gambler. Props to Jamie, champion and GM of the year for the league of shiesty schlemiels. I guess if there is a silver lining on having Jamie win the championship again, it's going to be all the entertaining footage of him sodomizing the trophy or something to that regard. Well, that is it. The offseason begins. I'm obviously looking to improve on how my season ended, so you know I'm open for business. 247-365. Hit up your boy. Be on the lookout. For my GM commission calls, I'm coming for you. Hopefully we see a pancake punishment very soon here and some good footage on that shit. Draft, San Diego, August 25th, 26th. That'll actually be a question I will ask each of you in case we don't want San Diego, but it seems like the majority does at this fucking point. I'm also anxious to talk about what's happening in the B-League. I think we did come to a decision that it is not going to be for relegation, but it may have a place And it's just going to be different. And there's going to be more on that coming soon, next time. But for now, commission out.